Cultivate Simple, episode 51. Get a job. Hey, kid. Hey, kid. You, you want a job? I'd rather be a farmer. I'd rather work the land. I'd rather see the mountainsides. I'd rather see your I'd rather swim the ocean I'd rather not pretend Welcome to Cultivate Simple, an honest and unrehearsed discussion about trying to live a more simple life. This is episode 51, and today we are talking about getting a job, or actually jobs that we've had. We thought we this all started uh, this past week. We were just discussing the the various jobs that we've had in our lives because we've had some very maybe not interesting, but uh, <laughs> we've just had a lot of different types of jobs. Yeah. Um, and the part of our discussion was how maybe that has led to the the work ethic that we have or the type of people we are. Uh, I, you know, Who knows? it's just. Yeah it's contributed to what we're doing or not necessarily what we're doing, but how we do things now. Mm-hmm. Um, because different things that we've learned in different jobs that we've had, they're all skills that have kind of built up over time and mm-hmm. have, have led us to where we are now. Um, it was interesting this past week. Uh, we have a neighbor up the road who they're, they're an older couple. They're both retired, um, and he does some blacksmith work and has a full wood shop. Um, and I just stopped in one day when in during the community episode, building community episode. I stopped in and talked to them. And uh, well, you didn't stop in during the episode. No, I but, but I talked about yeah. stopping in because it was a garage sale right. that they were having, and so I stopped in and. Is that how I said that? Yeah. I'm tired. Um, <laughs> you said during the episode, I during stopped the, in During the episode. <laughs> yes. Around the run, I hold in three <laughs> cords of wood over the past two days. So <laughs> I'm tired. Um, so what was I saying? You were saying you... Oh, that, yes. You're going to talk stopped about the in, grandson? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I stopped in and, and talked to them, and she said, oh, my grandson would just really like you. So when he comes up and visits next time from Connecticut, I'm going to send him up to your place. All right. So this past week, uh, he, he stopped, stopped in. in. And she actually gave us a call before he came up, and uh, but he came up, and we talked for a couple hours. And he was really interesting. He's uh, uh, probably mid-20s. Um, has a forestry degree and kind of has gone on out on his own to do his own sort of forestry business. He had a job with the state that, um, I guess was supposed to pan out into a full-time job after it was kind of like an internship Mm -hmm. sort of, or an apprenticeship, uh, but didn't. So then, um, he just decided to kind of do his own thing. Um, so we were talking about, you know, the woods and that kind of thing, but we also just talked about all the stuff that we're doing around here, which then led us into a discussion about jobs and about work ethic and about, you know, all those types of things, because he said that he has a friend that raises hogs and does, you know, Mm -hmm. raises a lot of his own food and so on. And he said that 
uh, he goes over and helps him every once in a while, mm-hmm. you know, for a day. And he said, it's just a lot of work. <laughs> I said, well, yeah, but, you yeah, know, it it, it's it's all worth it. Um, but we talked it's about work, though. He and I were talking about various jobs that we've had as well. But you and I were talking about this and we just said, you know, that would be funny to talk about on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So this might not be one of those episodes where we... Uh, share lots of wisdom and share lots of, <laughs> yeah, nuggets of of wisdom, insight, and stupidity. Um, but uh, but I don't know. It might be it might be entertaining. Uh, and we'd like to hear some of the maybe more odd jobs that you've had. So if you want to leave a comment in the show notes, uh, that would be great. Um, but first of all, we're going to talk about what's for dinner. What was for dinner? Ginger beef stir fry. Well, ginger venison stir fry. Mm. It's one of my favorite recipes. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's one of those recipes like I talked about, I don't know, a long time ago. Um, where I mentioned it pays to learn a few recipes really well that you can adapt to different seasonal changes so that it doesn't feel like you're always eating the same thing. Crepes are good because you can stuff them with anything. Mm-hmm. And ginger beef stir fry is fantastic because it doesn't have to be ginger beef. It can be chicken, duck, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it doesn't have to be ginger if you don't like ginger. But um, learn to make a basic stir fry. And it's good with any kind of vegetables that you had. This time we had carrots, broccoli, um, and zucchini because I still have those in the garden. In the summer, a lot of times we're using sugar snap peas and uh, green onions and onions and that kind of stuff. So it's just one of those great recipes. And it's really good. And it's quick and it's easy um, and tasty and healthy. So, yeah. Ginger beef stir fry. Delicious. And coconut rice. Yes, I always make coconut rice to eat it over, which is essentially basmati rice that I make with some fragrant coconut oil in it, which makes it give it a hint of a coconut flavor and it's not even if you don't like coconut you'll probably like this because my mom hates coconut but she still likes um this rice with the fragrant coconut oil in it so. yeah it's not an overpowering no it just gives it a hint of i don't know it's almost like a little bit of sweetness mm-hmm. um but it's really good yeah if you eat it by itself if you eat it just plain you can taste just a hint of coconut but it's mm-hmm. not um it's not like eating coconut it's or not like coconut rice pudding or something yeah, that I make sometimes. That's yeah. really coconutty. So I that, love coconut, so I don't yeah, care. Yeah, you don't care. So that's that's what's for dinner. It's delicious. So then we move on to around the run, uh, which pretty much concerns everything I'm doing, uh, <laughs> only because I probably entered in the notes. I already mentioned that brought in three cords of wood over the past two days, and have about another cord to bring in. Um, we split all that up last year and stacked mm-hmm. it all up around and uh, it's really well dried, well seasoned. So we've been, we've already started burning some of it in the wood wood stove upstairs here. The yeah. uh, We have a small one in our sort of in between the kitchen dining room area, but it pretty much heats the whole house except yeah. for... Unless it's really cold outside. Yeah, it. except for middle of January. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was about the only time we had to fire up the big, because we also have a wood furnace in the basement, along with the gas furnace in the basement, and we also had electric heat for a while, which there's still electric baseboard heat in many of the rooms that we have. Right. I guess the previous owner just really liked his redundancy. 
Uh, the Department of Redundancies. Redundant, no. No. Yeah. What is that thing? Department of Redundancies Department. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Department of Redundancies Department. <laughs> there you go. Um, also this past week, Monday morning, uh, I was just so excited about the podcast, it must have been, that uh, Monday morning I woke up at 4.30 and I couldn't get back to sleep. So I decided to go hunting after laying there for a half hour. Um, I had a a turkey tag that I bought for spring turkey, but didn't get a, a turkey in the spring. So we have the tag. And then in the in the fall, you can get either a male or female. In the spring, it's just male. So I went out and uh, it's kind of a funny story. I've kind of, I didn't have a pre-planned spot. I sort of knew generally where I wanted to go, um, which is down. We have like everywhere in Maine, we have rock walls absolutely everywhere. And we have one that runs right down below the uh, chicken coop, and it goes all the way across the front of the property. So I wanted to get a little spot down in there because I know the turkeys hang out down in there. So uh, it was still dark when I got down in there, and I picked a really, really bad spot in the dark uh, because <laughs> as the so as, you pick out your spots ahead of time, yeah, I guess <laughs> as the light started to uh, to come, uh, I looked around and I was basically sitting in a hole. <laughs> I couldn't see to the left or the right of me, but I could see over the rock wall in front of me, uh, but only at about, you know, 45 degree angle or 60 degrees worth of angle. Um, So I started, I was like, well, I'm here. I might as well try it and see what happens. So I started calling uh, the turkeys in and um, I only had one answer me and she was getting closer. I figured it was a female. She was getting closer. And um, right then a, I noticed that there were three squirrels running up and down a tree behind me. And after a few minutes, one of them was within 10 feet of me, which I guess is good because that means that I was, you yeah, know, pretty quiet, being still and quiet. And But it noticed, you it noticed me and then started barking and chirping and grunting. And they and get up in the tree and shake their tail. Don't and, understand about animals that they alert one another when there's something yeah. in the woods that they spot. So when the first one started barking and grunting and shaking his tail, then there were at least two others that I could hear, but I think three or four others that started doing the same thing, which, yeah, that alerts all the other animals yeah. because all the other animals know, you know, those warning calls. And uh, the turkey that I was calling in went really quiet. And so I figured, you know, either she hunkered down or she was moving away. And I figured she was moving away. So the squirrels kind of calmed down a little bit, and I started calling again. Didn't get anything back, didn't get anything back. So I was like, oh, well. And by that time, I was sitting on the ground, and I forgot to take my little pad that I sit on, my yeah. little heat. Yeah, whatever. hunting seat pad cushiony thing. Reflect uh, the heat back up, keep you warm. Kind yeah, of. so pretty much my... My backside was uh, completely numb and my feet were going a little cold. So I decided, you know, well, she must have walked away. I'll go pick another spot. So I stand up. And like I said, I was sitting in a hole. So there's a <laughs> pile of rocks to my right. And as I stand up, I look over that direction. And that turkey's 10, 15 feet away from me, <laughs> staring at me. <laughs> I was like, what? So I kind of 
as slow as I went up, I went back down <laughs> because <laughs> I didn't have my gun. And so I, I picked it up. And by that time, she was already walking away and was quite a ways up the hill. But I ended up getting her. So we have wild turkey to eat now, yeah. um, which should be interesting. We'll report on that uh, next week. Um, finally, well, two, two more things, but just a quick one. Deer season starts this Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, here in Maine. We have a residence only day on Saturday. So this year I'm a resident, so I'm heading out. Um, and finally we're, or I'm, but kind of we're gearing up for curling. Oh yeah. Yes. Going to join a curling club. I've liked curling ever since we saw it in the Olympics about 12 years ago. Yeah, I think so. Um, or 11 years. It's 12 years next year. Uh, so, yeah, we have a curling club that's about 20 minutes from us. And so I, we went and tried it last year. And I think you wrote a blog post about that. Yeah, I did. Um, but because we were still going back to Ohio with our jobs and so on. That'll be a good picture for this week's Cultivate Simple post. Ah, uh, the curling. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's kind of the north it's it's like canada's version of bowling yeah <laughs> it's like what all the old people go do but then there are some that take it very seriously <laughs> um so just hoping to have a good time with that anything that you have what's going on around the run this getting week? ready to plant my garlic oh yeah it is the season for planting garlic so the other half of the table here is covered in bowls with labels of different varieties that i'm growing and it's soaking in liquid kelp overnight how many varieties of garlic are you going to grow this year i think eight or nine and then a few varieties that i've grown for many years and have since lost the names for them oh, yeah. because i'm horrible at labeling which is one of the reasons we did a garlic giveaway last week on the blog and uh one of the reasons i included plant labels Mm-hmm. So I have plant labels written up with all my cartons of garlic. And I might actually write up a couple just to keep. So I have a couple because sometimes plant labels have a ha- habit of, I think the cats sometimes take them out of the garden and play up with them and bat them around because every now and then they just disappear. Really? Mm-hmm. You think and it's the cats? It wouldn't put it past me. It wouldn't put it past the cats. Yeah? Yeah. I don't know. I blame the cats. Maybe you shouldn't dip them in fishable. Maybe. Maybe <laughs> it's the ducks, because that makes the ducks eat everything, too. Yeah. So, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. So, that's it? You're just planting garlic? Planting garlic, and I'm starting to mulch everything. So, mm-hmm. mowing up leaves and putting a blanket over everything in the garden. Yeah, that's a tip. I don't Have we shared that before? That's I something so. that we did a lot. I think we talked about it last year on our Winter is Coming podcast. Mm, yeah. Uh, if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it. But you can, if you have a lot of leaves in your yard, or if you have a lot of neighbors with leaves that you know don't heavily uh, douse Spray their lawn their with lawn, chemicals, yeah. um, grab those leaves and you can run them over with your, if you have a mower with a bagger on it, mm-hmm. you can run them over with the mower a couple times and bag them, and then you can sprinkle them on your flower beds. Makes the best mulch. Yeah. Really does. That's great. If you can mix them with some grass clippings, it's even better because mm-hmm. then they compost a little faster. The worms just love it. I mean, nothing increases worm activity in your garden like the like mulching with. I mean, it's nature's mulch if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, that's what the woods. So, that's the woods do. Yeah, 
So, I mean, it really is great and it uh, helps with weed suppression in the spring. I have a lot fewer weeds when I mulch, uh, particularly with leaves, because it seems like a lot of times the weed seeds will fall on top of them and they don't really germinate up there. And if they do, there's, you know, their roots can't get into anything. So, yeah, it seems to be, I've used lots of different mulches over the years and chopped leaves with a little bit of grass clippings mixed in is really my favorite. Mm-hmm. So that's what you've been doing is uh, cutting the clippings and sprinkling them about. <clears throat> yes. Well, yeah. lately I've been sprinkling them in the chicken run because I like to mm-hmm. get a good layer of stuff going in there before the winter so it doesn't get muddy. And then they have, the deeper it is, then it has, it doesn't freeze as quickly. And then they like to scratch around and give them something to do when there's lots of snow on the ground. So, yeah, not very exciting, but kind of mundane and one of those things that I do for pretty much the entire months of October and half of November. <laughs> <laughs> and that brings us to the events of today, which was kind of our, it's not really a fail of the week, but um, we just would like to say that hawks make terrible neighbors. <laughs> uh, we had a, we woke up this morning to our rooster that's in with our new layers alerting yeah, and, well, I woke up and it was weird because I was like, those chickens aren't sounding the same. And then I looked out the window and I thought, I don't see any chickens. And that's really weird because they're usually up early and running around. And then I looked out and I saw this little bird down. I thought it was just like a little bird down by the fence. And then I was like, wait a minute. That's a raptor and it's eating one of our chickens. Mm-hmm. So it was just a little, a little raptor. I mean, probably the smallest hawk I've ever seen. Um, I talked to my neighbor and think it's a Cooper's hawk. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing it wasn't a red-tailed hawk. I mean, we we're really familiar with those. Those things are like porcupines in Ohio. I mean, yeah, they're just they're everywhere, everywhere all the time. They're kind of annoying, actually. Um, but yeah, and then later on, it wasn't even. I went up and kind of opened the run door to the main chicken coop and came back to the house and then the guineas were up there going crazy. So I went up there and then there was a red-tailed hawk sitting on the chicken coop roof. And then a bunch of our smaller guineas who were, I don't know, they're what, four months old? Are, uh, they're still pretty small. Mm-hmm. They were all hunkered down under some saplings and then the big two of the big guineas were running around just yelling. And mm-hmm. so I... I mean, the hawk just kind of sat there for a minute, and I yelled at it, and it just kind of looked at me. I was getting ready to pick up a stick and throw at it, and then it flew away. And then, uh, so I came back to the house, and then I, I forget what I did. I was still outside. I did something, and I looked up, and I saw lots of fluttering in the woods up there right by the chicken coop. So I ran up there, and that hawk was trying to nab one of our adult guineas. Which they had the advantage, which is weird because it was in the woods mm-hmm. and there are tons of saplings there. So, I mean, there's no way it'd be really hard for a hawk to catch something there. It was trying. Yeah. So I guess it was really hungry. Yeah. It's those, thick the, woods. It's, it's not pretty thick. Yeah. Open. And the guineas were in a really thick part with lots of really small saplings that are probably only three, four feet tall and really close together. And they have the advantage there. I mean, they, they can run really fast on the ground. They weren't flying. They were just running around. The hawk seemed to be trying to catch them but it didn't happen so when i got up there it flew off of course and then the guineas just continued yelling 
Yeah. Eventually, I got everybody back into the run. But at that point, I closed the... Or when I went up and saw the hawk earlier, I closed the run. And then only... I got the little guineas in. And then we only had two birds out. Um, but then eventually, they went in the run. I went up later and got them in and kind of left everybody closed up for the day. We were pretty fearful, too, because one of our new layers, um, we've we've kind of... What was that? I don't know. I think something just slid down our chimney. <laughs> that was really weird. We're going to pause the episode. We will be right back. <laughs> okay, we're back. In 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 podcast land, that will seem like no time at all passed. Yeah. But Although we did a lot in, in that. Fifteen <laughs> or ten minutes, or in the real long world. It was. Yeah, we're not quite sure what that was. Uh, sounded like a chicken falling down our chimney. Yeah, and Samson, uh, one of our cats, is laying right beside the chimney, and he looked up, which made us think that that's that it was something coming down the chimney. But you know, I checked in the basement, and Santa was not down there. So, <laughs> <laughs> but Susie went outside to check on uh, to check on the chickens, just to look around and see, you know, if it was just. Something outside. Something outside. And as she was shining her uh, flashlight around, I was looking outside and I thought I saw a duck walking around in here. She said, she came in and she goes, there's a skunk out here. <laughs> so, so yeah, we just had all kinds of excitement in the interval. Uh, I went out and looked in the chicken coop right that we have right out front under the apple tree to count the chickens and I, uh, they're all in there. I don't know. Oh, I know what I was saying before the break. We didn't go back and listen to that, but friendly chicken. Uh, that we thought that Friendly Chicken was gone too this morning. Oh, yeah. Speaking of chickens out front. She's our favorite. Yeah. We we try not to get close to any of the, the, the barnyard animals. Yes, because uh, then it's just more depressing when something, you know, when they get eaten by a hawk. When they get eaten by a hawk, yeah. Uh, but we have we have one chicken from the, the new uh, group of layers. Uh, she's a... She's just What's a her? barnyard mix. Oh, okay. But she's a barred chicken. Yeah. But she, we call her friendly chicken because even early on when we would feed them, she would come like right over and mm-hmm. walk over your feet and kind of walk around your legs. And, yeah. uh, and she would jump up on my legs sometimes <clears throat> if I was kneeled down to fill their feeder or whatever. So, yeah, she started hopping the fence every day because she didn't like to be in with the other chickens. She liked to be free and she's got a nest all made up in the tall weeds out front. And so, and she runs around with the ducks during yeah, the day. Yeah, so and, she's part of the duck flock pretty much. And she, whenever I go outside, she comes running up to me, and she'll jump up on the. I have a big pot that I carry all the food around to give to everybody, and she'll jump up on the pot and ride around with me. Sometimes she's really funny. And you can actually pet her and pick her up. Oh and, yeah, she. You'll lean over, and she st- sits there and looks at you, and she lets you pet her and scratch her chest and pick her up and carry her around and yeah. Yeah, most of our other chickens are really flighty. So we were we were too short today when mm-hmm. after the the hawk attack, and we knew that one was dead because right. that's yep. the one it was eating on. Um, and we couldn't find, or we knew we were another short, and we were hoping that the one it killed wasn't friendly chicken because right. we have. I didn't think it was because it didn't have a beard, and friendly chicken yeah. has a beard. Um. So then. About 45 minutes later, I'm working at the computer and you come walking in carrying friendly chicken and said, look who I found. (laughs) She was hiding in the firebush out front. Yeah. So that's good. I thought she might be in there, but I couldn't see her in there that 
that bush is pretty thick, so. So yep. we're excited that the friendly chicken's still around. Yep. So that, uh, if there's nothing else going on around around the run, it's just a lot so. of getting ready for winter, trying to get a bunch of stuff done outside in order to, because it's, it's starting to get cold. You just you just said before I started recording again, this is the time of the year I don't like going outside because, you know. Well, you, I ran out tonight, you know, to check on everybody. And then I didn't, of course, I didn't grab my hat, didn't put on, I'm just wearing a sweatshirt. And by the time I got back in, my ears are cold and it's just time to start putting on a hat and grabbing a jacket. That's right. I need to get a lighter jacket. I don't really have a, I've got my winter coat. You always throw my light wool like, jacket on. He's got a wool jacket I got him for Christmas last year that I really like. So I Unfortunately, I left it down at the neighbor's last night yeah. when we went down to Which watch the World didn't Series. Have anything on. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that brings us on to the topic for tonight, which is us rambling on about jobs that we've had. <laughs> Fun and exciting. Yeah. Uh, so have a good night, folks. Um, yeah, we've had a lot of. What is that sound? That's the duck. Oh, okay. We have a duckling in our laundry room. Oh, yeah. We have a duckling in the laundry room as well. And Doesn't everybody makes weird, come in? weird noises. Um, <laughs> it's just like a weird noise. We should do another sound podcast. Yeah. Just walk around our house and record all these weird noises Chicken that are happening tonight. Um, so jobs. Yeah, we've had a lot of interesting and maybe strange and different jobs, but we've learned a lot from... Uh, the different jobs that we've had. And so we just wanted to talk a little bit about some of the jobs that we've had and some of the things that we've we've learned or some of the skills that we've taken away from those. So I I pray in the interest of I pray in the interest <laughs> I've been listening to Lord of the Rings audiobooks, so I now talk like old timey oh. Middle Earth people. Um <laughs> So to make this interesting, if you have any questions for me that you think the, the listener would find interesting, mm, or right. things that I've mentioned in the past about these jobs that you know but they might not, okay. then ask away. And I think what we'll do is I'll I'll share a few of mine, and then you can share a few of yours, just right. so it's not the next 10 minutes of me talking. Nobody wants that. Plus, I have a little pile of cashews here that I'd like to snack on, so <laughs> you need to talk some too so that I can snack. Um. One of my first jobs, uh, truly official, you know, apply for it and get it job, was um, having a newspaper route. Uh, I had a newspaper route. I started when I was 13 and had it until I was 16, uh, until after I was driving. Um, it was actually a lot of fun because my my two cousins had the, the newspaper routes um, in the next couple blocks of the town that we lived in so it was kind of like we had a little monopoly like a family monopoly on that section that neighborhood um but the newspaper route was really a great job it was interesting because it was seven days a week you never got a day off um so every day i'd get home from school and i'd have to you know pack up the papers we'd roll them up we'd put them in bags put Mm -hmm. them in my big carrying bag and then i would take them out and deliver them i think i had during the week, I had like 70 customers and like 100 on the weekend. It was a walking route, so I'd walk to every single door, mm-hmm. put the paper in their box or on their front porch. And then once a month, I would go around and collect the money. Um, and I remember it's kind of funny when I think back on it because, you know, it was like $8 
a month <laughs> or something like that. I think it was 25 cents a day for the for the weekly paper and then 75 cents on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so then I'd go around and collect the money and I'd have to do an accounting and then I've, I'd have to pay the... Uh, the newspaper company, the the guy that would come mm-hmm. and deliver the papers to my house, I'd have to give him a check every month for for the papers. Um, but yeah, it was it was a fun job. I really enjoyed it, but it taught you definitely uh, kind of a perseverance or a yeah, you know, even when you don't want to do something, yeah, you have to get out there and do it because it was it was seven days a week. It was you know. 365 days yeah. a year, like even on Christmas snow. Day. Oh, yeah, yeah. people want the Christmas paper and oh, the yeah. Thanksgiving Day paper. Yeah, and those are the big ones, too. Those are the days that I'd have to... That it took you twice as long. Take, yeah, because I'd have to go back and pick up another load because mm-hmm. I couldn't carry them all because they were so thick with all the ads. Um, hated those days. It's like the classic job for a kid. It is. But kids don't really do that anymore. And no. In my mom's town, it's all adults that deliver the paper in their cars. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird, actually. Yeah. I think that's pretty normal because that's it was that way in Malvern too. Yeah, all the people that delivered the papers were uh, adults. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I liked that job. It was fun. Yeah, you I got to know people. Out. You got to. I think that's where I started with the thing that we do with our animals and with different people, where we make up backstories <laughs> about them. Um, and you know, you just get to get to chat with people. So that was a fun job. Uh, during that time, I also mowed lawns, which is the other classic yes, kid that's job. Yeah, classic. Um, yeah, my my grandfather, through the you know different ladies at church that were older and widows, they would have me come over and mow their lawn or pull weeds or you know <laughs> just do various yard work. And uh, and I I enjoyed that too. I had quite a few regular customers that I would mow their lawn every week and. Yeah, it was just a lot of fun. Ride my bike to their house and mow for a little bit. There was, it's, that's again one of those jobs that I hated pulling weeds. I mean, you know how much I like pulling weeds. Yeah. Um, and just cleaning out flower beds and that kind of thing. Yeah. And even back then, well, even today, I don't know what's a weed and what's not. <laughs> I'm constantly asking you in the garden, should I pull this? Is this, what's this? Um, since we grow such a variety of things too. Um, but yeah, I, I, I did make a few mistakes back then, pulled up a few flowers I shouldn't have, but <laughs> <laughs> the ladies were always nice and, and forgiving. Also got a job cleaning out an abandoned house, uh, two houses up from my grandparents' house. Um, I don't know how I found this job, but that sounds I think, you know, you know what it was? I was, I was mowing my grandpa's lawn and mm. this guy stopped in and he said, Hey, you want a job? Hey, Which a kid? Hey, hey kid. <laughs> I was like, sure. So Nowadays I got. they throw people in jail for that yeah, kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. I got I got one of my friends uh, from school, and yeah, we we spent many weekends cleaning out this house that it was. I think it sat vacant for like two or three years. So I mean, animals were living in it, and there was Ugh. just all kinds of craziness and weirdness. Um, and just and there was a broken out window, so there was leaves, and it was kind of wet, and we had to rip out all the carpet. And mm-hmm. I mean, looking back on it, it was probably we should have had like respirators. Yeah. And, <laughs> but you know, hey, we're making five bucks an hour, <laughs> so <laughs> who cares? Um, That's funny. Uh, during high school, then too, 
after I got my driver's license, I, which I still had the paper route, but I couldn't earn enough with the paper route and uh, mowing lawns to afford to pay insurance on a car and so on. So I decided I had to go out and get a real job. So I went <laughs> and I got a job at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> and I worked there for a week because <laughs> it was terrible. Oh my gosh! Handle it. It 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 was just well the the big thing was the reason that I actually quit. Um, the first four days that I worked, they sent me home after like working for an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and I. I came in on the fifth day and I told the assistant manager, I said, listen, you know, I took this job because I need to make money to pay insurance and, you know, to have other bills. And uh, you keep sending me home. You know, I'm supposed to be working four or five hour shifts and you're sending me home after an hour. I said, I'm actually making less here than I was on my paper route. Um, so I really need to start working more hours. And and she said, okay, great. Yeah, no problem. I understand. And then after like a half hour, she came and said, you can go home early. We're not that busy. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I quit that. I think I just was like, um, I quit. But I went and got a job. I'm actually glad that that happened because I uh, got a job at a pizza shop. And that's like another classic yeah, teenage job to do. I know. Jobs. Well, I figured. You know, the quintessential childhood. I, I had, as far as I had jobs seen go. all the teen movies with <laughs> Corey Haim and what was the other Corey's name? Anyway, um, but yeah, I went and got a job at a pizza shop uh, delivering pizzas, which was a lot of fun. Probably one of the the most just plain enjoyable jobs I've ever had. It had its moments. You know, you'd always get the guy that would stiff you for the delivery, but. Um, I had a couple people that were big tippers, you know, $20 tips, that type of thing. And then I eventually, with that job, I eventually and quickly moved up uh, to be, well, we would always help cook and that sort of thing. But um, as I was getting towards the end of high school, uh, the uh, owner actually promoted me to the assistant manager in hopes that I would stay in Youngstown and continue to work there and, uh, you know, sort of help out. Take over the pizza shop. Take over the pizza shop. Um, but yeah, it was... Oh, you missed your... You missed my your calling. Ship sailed, man. I know. I know. <laughs> I could still be flipping pizzas or... Flipping pizzas? No, you don't hey. flip pizzas. Cooking pizzas. But I enjoyed that. I had a lot of fun. Um, and my, growing up, my mom worked at a pizza hut for most of her life and was a manager and different things. So I knew the pizza business. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of ran in my blood. Uh, oh so that was, God. that was That's kind funny. of my, my early days and, and through Childhood high school. Jobs. So sh- share some of your jobs because your I'm, jobs go way back. I was an entrepreneur from a young age. I was figuring ways to make money. So I started a popsicle business with my sister when I was pretty young. I can't remember how old I was, but I would say um, third grade, somewhere thereabouts. Um, so, you know, eight, nine years old. Um, yeah, and my sister and I had a popsicle business and we sold popsicles. My parents gave us seed money. I think I talked about this on our uh, 
entrepreneur or micro business micro business or whatever um so my parents always were encouraging us to start businesses and stuff so they gave us seed money and then you know my mom would sit down and teach us the accounting and then you know we'd have to save up to buy new supplies and that kind of thing and we had quite a little business going i remember we had an extra fridge in the in the garage just for freezer space to make all of our popsicles for our business <laughs> <laughs> And then, um, I don't remember what, this may have actually been when I was in second grade too. It's hard to remember, but for some reason, I don't remember why we stopped that business. It may have been because we came back to the States. And so it may have been when I was in second grade, because I was back here for my third grade year. And then when I went back my fourth grade year uh, to Columbia, we started, my sister and I started a chocolate business. So we made chocolates and sold them um, to other kids on our block and neighbors and that kind of thing. And we made... When you say you made chocolates, you'd like put them in molds, right? So we like molded chocolates, yeah. yeah. So we would we did a lot of... Um, I did a lot of white chocolate stuff. So I'd have the molds. I remember I had Smurf molds. And so mm. I would tint the chocolate blue. And I mean, there were fancy little little chocolates that I would make. The Smurf ones were my favorite, of course. But yeah, we would make those and sell them. And we had this one little kid up the block that was our best customer. He would come every day and buy like five or six chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that was funny. I remember probably my first, it's not really a job, but I remember one of the first things I did to make money when I was in the kindergarten or first grade is I sold my tricycle. Mm-hmm. For $25, I think. Wow. Yeah. And I took my family to Dairy Queen with the money. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see, after I started my own businesses. Do you think that's uh, where, do you think your popsicle and your chocolate business and your mom sitting down and teaching you all that, do you think that's kind of where your appreciation of money and finance, finance and maybe. all that kind of stuff comes from? Yeah. I mean, it was definitely part of it. And, you know, we, my parents made us set aside 10% to give, you know, to charity and uh, save, we had to save a certain percentage and then anything else we could use on whatever we wanted. Um, I was often, I was always a saver, so I always saved my money and my sister usually spent hers. <laughs> it was just the way we were wired, I guess. But maybe, I mean, that certainly taught management because you had to save enough to buy supplies because if mm -hmm. you didn't then you wouldn't have supplies and you wouldn't be able to make money so yeah and then i didn't do a ton of work when i was in high school Our, my parents didn't really want us to work they wanted us to get good grades and uh my sister had a job at the local library she checked in books and stuff for a couple hours a week but i did a lot of stuff around the house so my parents would uh pay me to do different things that they didn't want to do <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i did that and then i remember you got paid to cook meals didn't you yeah so that i did was all one the, of the cooking and all the cleaning and yeah so i'd get like a dollar every time i cooked a meal or something like that just <laughs> <laughs> genius for my parents or my mom because you know then she didn't have to do it and i love to cook so i mean i would have done it anyways probably for free mm -hmm. but um yeah, and then I remember one summer, my brother and I, this may have been when I was in junior high, my brother and I picked strawberries at the local orchard, which is just like two or three blocks from our house. Mm -hmm. So we did that for 
during strawberry season. And then we didn't do it anymore because then my mom got to thinking about all the chemicals. I think they sprayed on the strawberries and yeah. decided we probably shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> yeah, that orchard is. Uh, yeah, so we just did that. Very one. liberal we may have with not chemicals. Not even done it the whole season. I know we we were, we were up there a good deal during one year, but didn't really do it after that. So yeah, we did that, and then I um. I did babysitting, of course. That's like mm-hmm. the classic girl. Not for a lot of people, mainly for our neighbor that lived across the street. She had two little boys, and she was actually a uh, the librarian in our school. Mm. And I always worked in the library during my study hall, so it was convenient because she lived diagonally across the street from me. So she would just come over and ask, and it was usually like a last-minute thing. Mm-hmm. So I'd end up babysitting our kids, you know, a couple times a month. Um, and then the lady that lived directly across the street when I was younger, was an older lady, and then she died, and her daughter lived in New York. And so she paid me to take care of her house. So I would go in the house every couple of weeks and check on it and vacuum and dust and, you know, kind of make sure, flush all the toilets, mm-hmm. run all the faucets, that kind of stuff, and then uh, make sure the heat was on, and then I would mow the yard in the summer and weed the flower beds and just kind of maintain the property. Mm. Um and i think that's one that i forgot about for you yeah i know you've told me about that that. one before she paid me really well um yeah i it was a good i mean they were directly across the street and it was convenient for me and it was convenient for her since we lived directly across the street so was it you were in high school yeah Mm -hmm. it's a lot of trust to put i mean for knowing you yeah it's it's kind of silly to say that but you know to it's a lot of trust for a person to put in a high schooler to right. have access to a house. I was trustworthy, I guess. You I mean, were. My parents left me alone for a couple of weeks and went to South America, and I was all by myself at home. So, yeah. Yep. You are trustworthy, even even now. <laughs> I was a good kid. I always was. <laughs> I always was the goody two shoes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that brings us on to college, which I had. Definitely had some various jobs in college. I wanted to do all the quintessential college jobs oh, as well, I guess. So classic. Check them off the I know. List. Well, you know, I just always thought, oh, that, that might be fun to do. Uh, during freshman year, I bagged groceries at a grocery store, um, which, I don't know, that that job was... I think the like I I think the reason I didn't like it is because part of it was I had to also clean the bathrooms. Uh, yeah, and bathrooms in a grocery store, yeah, you know, gross. you get all kinds of people that are using them, and so yeah, it's just that wasn't that's one job I don't think I could ever do. But that's the funny thing was I did it so well that they always asked me to do it. So uh, it's one of those jobs that if you ever get asked to do it, don't do a good job because then. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, but yeah, so almost every shift I had to go in and clean the bathrooms. But I, the good thing was, I don't know if I really enjoyed the bagging of the groceries either. So you could just go hang out in the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Um, But I did a really good job. I mean, everything would sparkle and shine. So maybe that's why the bathrooms were always so well used. Um, And then... uh, during sophomore year, I wanted to do something a little more, you know, upscale. So I <laughs> so I went to work at a uh, Best Buy that was opening Ooh. up. And that's back when Best Buy was 
kind of a new thing for the the Midwest, uh, for at least the Cincinnati yeah. region. That was the first Best Buy that opened ele- up. It was kind of new as far as electronic stores go, yeah. besides Radio Shack. Um, yeah, there were Circuit but, City. But Radio I Shack think. was a little more specialized. I mean, Best yeah. Buy was like TV stereos. Yeah. All that stuff that yeah. usually you just buy at Sears. Yeah. And that that job, I enjoyed that job. Um, mm. It was kind of neat because we actually opened, we helped open the store, like do the grand opening. Um, so we helped set up all of the shelves. Um, we got trained really, really well from mm. the beginning uh, because they had people that go around to all the different stores and sort of open them up and they do the initial training with all the employees. And I learned a ton about customer service there. Um and just about how, just about dealing with people in general, uh, you know, my, one of the main lessons I learned there was to always under promise and over deliver. Um, so if something's going to take two weeks, like if we're ordering a TV for someone and it's going to take two weeks, you tell them, well, it's probably going to be three weeks or four weeks because this is really on back order. Mm-hmm. But then it takes two weeks and then they're overjoyed because they got their, TV a week week or two early, even though, you know, that doesn't, it gives you the buffer, but also just, it doesn't cost you anything to tell them a little bit longer, Mm -hmm. you know, because they're going to be angry whether they have to wait two weeks or a month, Right. but then you make them super happy. Um, But I learned a lot about just serving customers, figuring out what they really want, because Mm -hmm. people would say they wanted one thing, but they really didn't know what they want. and also, the good thing about working at Best Buy at the time was it wasn't commissioned, so we weren't we didn't have to go for a hard sell. Um, so you could really work with people on what they wanted, but also what they you know needed, mm-hmm. um, because some people wanted to do certain things with their TV or their VCR, which was the area I worked in. <laughs> the VCR, um, the VCR, <laughs> that's right. And we had laser disc too. Yes, nice. the the oft forgot. Laser disc. Um, and bread was a nickel. Yeah. <laughs> and I walked up this. I walked up. Uh, walked to Best Buy on yeah, Bilbo. Walked up Bill. Um, and then uh, during junior year, I wanted to do something a little more, a little more. Uh, I don't want to say upscale. I was going to use a. Uh, sporty. More sporty. Yeah. Uh, so I got a job at Dick's Sporting Goods, which was. Right beside the Best Buy, funny enough. Um, So you worked at that one down in Florence? Yeah, I worked at the one in Florence. Um, And really enjoyed that. That was was a lot of fun, although it did lead to an injury eventually. I started out uh, working the cash register in the front, which that was kind of terrible. And then ended up moving to the shoe department, which I, in the first month, I was the top salesman. Mm -hmm. Not because I was any better salesman than anyone else, but because they have this, whenever the people disappear into the back room, there are racks and racks and racks and racks of shoes that go 20 feet high, or at least they did back then. And so you have a a little uh, ladder or a mm-hmm. little step ladder sort of thing that you'd have to wheel around to get to one of those racks and then get up there and get your thing and then wheel it back to where it goes so that the next person could find it. And so now you know why it takes 20 minutes to get a pair of shoes in your size. Um, But what I would do 
was I would just go back and just scale these <laughs> huge racks, and then I would usually climb down a little bit and then jump down from about eight feet high and then go running out to get the shoes out there. So I was really fast, which meant I made a lot of sales. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I was the top salesman, I think the first couple months that I worked back there. Uh, but at the end of that year, I actually ended up developing a knee problem where I had to get, uh, I had a what's called a ganglion mass, which was like a an extra kneecap almost. It's like fatty tissue that develops in your knee. To and protect your knee. From, to protect yeah. your knee from shocks, like jumping eight feet down onto a concrete floor, you know, 50 times a day. <laughs> so, so because of my top salesman status, which didn't really Are gain me anything, anything? Um, I ended up having to have knee surgery after my junior year in college, which wasn't fun. And then finally, uh, as far as college is concerned, um, during senior year, I was an RA, uh, resident assistant. So I was in charge of a, a floor in the dorm, which paid pretty well. And also, I, uh, I worked at the computer lab. I was a computer lab assistant, which... I remember that. Yeah, which was kind of funny because that was like... we went the, to college together. Mm-hmm. That wasn't evident where we met. Yeah, that's where we met was during our junior year. During college. Well, we met our Oh yeah, we knew each other. We knew but... each other, but we started dating our junior year. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the computer lab assistant was probably the easiest job I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> because I had it on off days. I had it on Saturday and Sunday. And um RA duty, we'd have to volunteer to sit at a desk and hand out like late passes and different things and, and just be available for like unlocking rooms unlocking people rooms lock and, themselves out and answering questions and yeah, that kind of stuff cuz some of the RAs some of the other RAs from the other floors and other dorms would go home on the weekends mm-hmm. and so we just had one on call so i'd always volunteer for the weekends um because RA duty on the weekends was done right down the hall from the computer lab so i could actually do two jobs at once (laughs) (laughs) double your money (laughs) double your money double your fun um so yeah that's uh that was that was college what did you do during college i um you studied my (laughs) i did i was studious Mm -hmm. i um my freshman year i worked at the switchboard Mm. So the switchboard was kind of the person right out front, but I worked behind this big glass window with like the hole in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I just worked there during lunch when the lady that worked there all the time went to lunch. It was like a work study program or whatever. So I would work there and, you know, nobody called during lunch. I, you know, I get a couple calls a day and then I would just transfer to the right number, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, people didn't ask me questions, but my friends always came up and had a jolly good time. <laughs> speaking through the little hole in the, the glass. Hole, yes, <laughs> and making, making funny, funny things. And then my, um, what did I do after that? Then I became a part of a, uh, like a traveling, like a team. traveling team for the college. So we went out to camps and did dramas and talked to kids and tried to talk them into going to school. And it was kind of a, I think we got free room and board and then a couple hours of school covered. 
So, but then you were traveling every single weekend and then you were traveled all summer long for, it was half of junior year, summer after junior year, and then half of my senior year, right? Yeah. Um, but then after I worked at the switchboard, I think my sophomore year, I got a job at Victoria's Secret, <laughs> <laughs> the downtown store in Cincinnati. Which so anybody I, that meets Susie and then finds out that she worked at Victoria's Secret at one point, it's like, what? <laughs> but it, it was the downtown store. So it wasn't, it was kind of a classier store. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like they were a little different back then than they were now. And even our manager hated most of the stores at that point, And she liked our store, still the old school store. Um, but yeah, I did that. I worked there a long time. That was probably one of the lo longest places I worked besides the nonprofit that I work for now. And I loved that job. It was really great, actually. Um, met some famous people every now and then when they would come in. It was nice. Uh, the people I worked for were great. The managers were great. The people I worked with were great. Um, and I worked with the same people the whole time I worked there. I mean, one of our, uh, one of the lady, two of the ladies that worked there had worked there for like 20 years hmm. so i enjoyed that job it was fun and when we started dating i always got to be the creepy guy that would come down and stand outside victoria's secret <laughs> wait. and wait for you <laughs> wait to pick you up <laughs> that's right um and then uh yeah and then i did the traveling team so mm -hmm. exciting exciting and then we graduated yeah and then we had some interesting <laughs> interesting experiences after that i got a job at micro center which if you've never been to a micro center it's kind of a computer geeks uh mecca yeah so i got a job there and again i was working the cash register which i didn't like and i knew that from working the cash register when i worked at dick's um so i quickly got moved back into the uh accessories department and then later on to software and that was actually a really good job because once we got into software, we were working on commission mm -hmm. and that's when you and I, we just graduated. We were living in an apartment that was like, what was it? $315 a month for rent. <laughs> yes. Is that what it was? Yeah. And then included like water and heat. Yes. Um, so in the nicest part of town, you can <laughs> <no>. imagine. <laughs> um, but it worked because you were still working at Victoria's Secret and then you were also working at Cincy Lingua. Right. Um, and so between your two jobs and then me working as much overtime as I could get, plus, you know, commission, uh, because of all that and living in the hole. Living on $500 <laughs> a month, essentially. <laughs> um, we were actually able to pay off all my school loans, which was only, I think, 10, like 10, 10, 10, 10 or $12,000. Like um, but we paid off all my school loans in the first year we were married. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was a huge relief and, and a pretty awesome accomplishment, uh, at least we thought at the time. Um, but yeah, so working at Micro Center, though, kind of started my... Geekery. Geekery. My, you were always kind of that way, though, before. Yeah. But yeah. that's one of the reasons you got the job there, too. Mm -hmm. I remember you were always coming home with stuff that was in the sale bin that was... 90% off and you're like I got this for 10 cents <laughs> yeah we had voice, voice recognition software <laughs> we had clearance stuff that every once in a while the managers would just get sick of it sitting on the shelf in the on the clearance pile and so they'd say who wants this 
we're it's 90% off the 90% off. And so, yeah, I could get stuff for nothing. But in that job, I built my first computer, um, got all the parts super cheap because that was in the Intel Pentium 2s came out, if that tells you how long ago it was. Um, but that also, like I said, that kind of started my my true geekery, um, which has, you know, looking back on it, led to what I'm doing today. So so talk a little bit about Cincy Lingua, because I know that that was another job that you oh, was, absolutely loved. I loved it. It was one of my... I've liked all my jobs. I can't say that I've ever hated anything that I've done. Um, I particularly like this job. Um, it was, you know, nine to five, something like that. I mean, your typical um, work day, but then I did half days on Saturdays every other week. Um, and essentially, I was teaching English as a second language. And then I did teach some Spanish because I speak Spanish fluently. I also taught Spanish. The Spanish that I taught was usually evening classes. Um, so it was kind of overtime kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, so I taught foreign business men generally. There were few women in the classes, but not very many. And it was an interesting program because it was an intensive language program. So they would pay to come. And I only had one, I had one student in the morning for... I think three hours, one student in the afternoon for three hours. And then I would take two students, my two students to lunch every day. And then, uh, which was nice because I got paid to be on lunch and then the place paid for my lunch. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just kind of one of those. It was part of my teaching to take the students to lunch and to, I mean, you, you learn a lot of language, life language, conversational language, that kind of stuff when you're doing that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I loved it because essentially I got paid and the students would give them a test. And I mean, some of my students knew zero English when they came. Some of my students were quite fluent. Some of them had specific things they wanted to work on and learn. Some of them were just basic English that they wanted to learn. Um, so it was kind of neat because each student, their program was tailored to them. So some students needed more work with idioms. Some didn't need that. You know, I had one student, and it's really interesting the kind of people that I worked with. I remember um, one of my favorite students was the president of Philip Morris in all of Latin America. And he was really fantastic. He spoke English very fluently, and he wanted to work on slang and mm-hmm. um, that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. he would watch movies, but he didn't always understand all of the slang that he would and more conversation because he'd learned it all from a book, of course. Mm-hmm. So we essentially spent his entire, I think he was there for six weeks. We spent pretty much his entire six week time watching popular movies and he would stop and we would talk about the things he didn't understand and what it meant and why it meant that and that kind of thing. So, I mean... It was really interesting, and we, and another nice thing about my uh, time there is that we would take a break in the middle of the morning, and the students really, I mean, these are not, these are not, these are businessmen, and most of them were very... When you say students, you're not talking about college students, you're talking about highly successful presidents of companies. people. Yeah. Yes, who are, they don't get told what to do, so what they want to do, you do. So their programs were very tailored, but... If they didn't want to do class, we didn't sit in class. And a lot of my students preferred 
going out, which, I mean, it's better anyway. So they preferred going out and just kind of walking around the city and doing our classes while we were walking around. And, you know, we'd go and get coffee and walk around the mall. And I mean, I did everything with my students. Some of my students wanted to go shopping, so we would go shopping. And uh, I would also take them on field trips. So sometimes, I mean, normal field trips, like we'd go to the zoo and walk around. And then depending on the student I had, I had one student who, I don't forget what country he was in, a Latin American country, but he worked in the electrical industry. And so we went and toured the local nuclear power plant. Mm. Um one day that's what i did with him so i mean those kinds of things too were tailored to the specific student as well i had one student that was i don't know the president of png <coughs> or something in the country he was from or latin america or something and so we spent a lot of time at the png headquarters which is in cincinnati and walking around and looking at all the stuff that png had done in the city of cincinnati which is a lot so, yeah, it was a great job. I really liked it a lot. I met great people. And because I was with these students for four hours a day, five or six days a week, you know, you just really get to know them really well. And some of them, I mean, a lot of them would buy me gifts and all of them sincerely inviting me, giving me their cards and information if you ever get to our country mm -hmm. please give me a call and they all mean it because they're i mean they're hispanic i'm very familiar with the hispanic culture um and one student uh his wife came up because he was there for three months which is a long time and he was my student for three months and his wife came up halfway through his time and he gave he she brought me this really pretty hand-blown glass vase that we still have and use um and he was a great student because he knew zero english besides like <laughs> hello when he came um and he was just a jovial jovial happy happy person and all of these guys lived in i say guys because they're when i the whole time i worked there i think there was one female student that i knew of hmm. you know and that's part of just business culture in other countries particular latin countries um and then right beside this institute, there was there were efficiency apartments that they would set these guys up in. Mm -hmm. And so um, oh, it was just funny because sometimes I'd have to go over there and show them how to do their own laundry because these, these are men who have never <laughs> done their own laundry, but they kind of have to do it now. You know, right. they don't really have a choice. So I taught many of my students how to do laundry <laughs> and just funny, <laughs> funny stuff. We'd go to their apartments and then I would teach them if they were new, like this one student who didn't know any English. And we would go to the apartment and label absolutely everything in the apartment with the English words so that, you know, as you see it, they they learn it and start to recognize and learn to read and uh, in English and those kinds of things. So it's just interesting because you essentially live life with these people, mm -hmm. you know, in short amounts of time. But we spent so much of our time out doing things and going places and um you know, like at, on Thanksgiving Day, we didn't get Thanksgiving Day off because it's not celebrated in the rest of the country, in the rest of the world. And these people are paying to be taught. So you could teach class or you could take your students to your family Thanksgiving if you <laughs> wanted to, you know, I don't know. It was a great job. I really enjoyed it. I met lots of really, really interesting people. Um, I had a surgeon that was my student from Columbia, which was interesting. Um, so we had a lot of good times talking about Columbia, you know, because I was familiar with Columbia. So he was a really great student. He spoke completely fluent English and just wanted to work on 
conversational English more mm-hmm. than he knew lots of medical terminology, mm-hmm. that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. He just wanted more ease of conversation so he could keep up better in conversation. So that's what we did the whole time. So, I mean, great. I loved it. It was a really great job. I can remember because because of you working that and Victoria's <clears throat> Secret and yeah, me so working I, a I lot work, of hours. Yeah. I would work two jobs, so I would go work this job, and then when I got it done there, I would just walk, because it was downtown, too, so I would walk to Victoria's Secret, and then it was, I don't know, seven blocks away, something like that, eight blocks away, and then I would work there until I forget when it closed, 8.30 or something like that, and then I'd walk back to my car, you know, 10 blocks, and then get, drive home, but then you worked afternoons, right? so you would leave at noon and get back at 10, about the time I was going to bed, going to bed. Yeah, so we didn't see each other much, but no. I just remember, you know, we'd always talk for a little bit at night, and you'd tell me about, you know, your students and different things. And I had one just, student that was hilarious, absolutely hilarious. Is that, that all you're going to say yes, about that? I know or? his name. I remember his name. <laughs> he was really funny. He he chose this. He worked for, I forget what company he worked for, but he chose learning English over getting a car. His company was going to give him a car after being there for so long and his accomplishments. And he said, I don't really want a car. I would really love it if you would uh, send me to a language institute in the United States so I could learn English because that's going to be more beneficial to me in the future. Mm. Which you got to... Yeah, you gotta, smart. Very smart. And he was the one that knew zero English and... I mean, by the time he left, he could carry on a conversation really easily with people we met downtown on the street, going out to eat, that kind of stuff. So he did really well. Hmm. Loved it. Absolutely loved that job. I was kind of sad to go because right um, about the time you got a job and we moved back to northeastern Ohio, they offered me a job there kind of in the office managing kind of becoming the office manager and managing all the schedules and everything that was going on in the in the institute hmm. i didn't remember that yeah i remember it now that you say that but i i'd forgotten <clears throat> about that it was a well-paying job even teaching was a, a well-paying job mm-hmm. um i really loved it a lot it was a good i'd do it again in a heartbeat if we lived in cincinnati wonder if you I could know. find doing something like that around here. I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. Uh, so then I got into youth ministry, and we started working at a church. And then we stopped and started our own business. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, it was a hard job. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. It was a hard and trying job, and I'm surprised that you stuck with me through it. Um, we also had a t-shirt business during that time. We started a, that's actually... Because ministry is not a high-paying job. No, it's not. Um, and we're always, we've always been sort of entrepreneurs and trying to, you know, you a lot farther back than, than me. But, um, yeah, we started a t-shirt business and that's where the whole second mile thing came from. Yeah. Um, cause the name of our business now is second mile media before that it was second mile productions. Um, and before that it was second mile ministries, which what we did with that was we made t-shirts, uh, cool 
Christian t-shirts and <laughs> Bible clothing. <laughs> that's right. And uh, and we also actually our I think there's like a mosquito or something in here. Oh, uh, our best idea was the uh, Bible covers. Yeah. Um, because up to that point, you know, everybody's Bible kind of looks the same, and so we came up with this crazy idea of making just like different weird mm-hmm. Bible covers out of faux fur and different things and so yeah so we had uh my uh i actually bought a domain name for that fuzzy bible fuzzybible.com uh that was one of the first websites i put together and it was like just text i think but um yeah so that that was kind of a funny job and there actually we saw some kids that it was a couple of years ago now, but that still had a couple mm-hmm. of our Bible covers, which is kind of funny. Quality um, craftsmanship, right there. Yeah, absolutely. Always Lesson through the ages. Always quality. But then we started our own business. Um, we had the decision. I started filming weddings a little bit here and there, and we kind of had to make a decision what we wanted to do. Um, and we decided to try our own business to see if we could make a go of it. Uh, and so kind of not in the way you're supposed to start a business, we we just sort of jumped in with both feet and tried to make it work. And I always said, well, if it doesn't work out, you know, I'll go get a job at Best Buy again or something. That shouldn't be too hard. Um, but it did. It worked out well. And we ended up filming weddings for 10 years and doing corporate video and how-to videos, um, commercials, just anything to do with video. And I also, that whole time, uh, from the time that I was in youth ministry all the way up until, uh, all the way through doing our video business, I had been also designing websites um, and had gone back and sort of relearned website design um, after using FrontPage and Dreamweaver and programs that sort of do it for you, uh, I really wanted to learn the right way to do it. And so <laughs> learned from the beginning, started over. And that's sort of what has led me to what we're doing today, which is a um, more website design and development, but also mixed in with sort of media altogether mm-hmm. because we can still do video work. We don't publicize it, um, although we're going to start doing that once I get my new website up, but, you know, cobbler shoes and all that. I've been working on that for a year, <laughs> just like I've been working on the Chiots Run redesign yeah. for three years yeah. now. Um, but, uh, yeah, just doing all sorts of 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 media work. Um, but that really, I mean, the first website that I really did was for your parents' nonprofit organization. Yeah. Um, that's really how I got into it, and that was my first, quote-unquote, you know, job, uh, doing website design, even though I don't think I got paid for it. Um, you never get paid for nonprofit work. Oh, especially for your parents. Yeah. Cause that's kind of my, what's that called when you, uh, my dowry isn't. <laughs> no, that's what, that's yeah, the one. Kind of, that's that's that what women bring, but oh. I don't know what that's. Well, your dad made me promise that I would never charge him. <laughs> 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 um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, Looking back over all of these things with the the experience that I had at Best Buy, um, and even the experience all the way back to the pizza shop and delivering delivering papers, it all kind of led up to owning my own business. Um, 
because even at the pizza shop, I got to see, it was a small pizza shop that I worked for, a local one. The guy had like 11 restaurants, but to see that if you work hard, you know, you can be successful. I think mm-hmm. that really influenced me a lot. And then working at Best Buy, and like I said, being trained by some of the best in the company about sales and about customer service and those types of things. I mean, all those experiences led up to to this point of, you know, owning our own business and uh, and doing all the different things that we do. So, and yeah. And that's, what have you been doing since college, after um, Sensilingua? I, mean, I started working more for my parents' nonprofit. I mean, I've always done that. High school, uh, college, I always have helped them out. Um, and then when we moved back up to northeastern Ohio, my parents both kind of moved back to Columbia, and they needed someone to take over and do all of the office stuff. Yeah. Fundraising, newsletters, donor relations, accounting all of that fun stuff all the office work so i took over that and have been doing it ever since and um you know and i also worked for our business filming weddings you do all the fun stuff for that too accounting as well (laughs) and uh you know um yeah and now i do some i sell some photography i would like to get a website going and do a little more of that but Mm -hmm. But then in the same respect, I would like to do less work. So <laughs> it's one of those, it's one of those double-edged swords when you're, when you have your own business. Cause there and people like us, I mean, there are always different businesses we want to start. I mean, mm-hmm. and we talked about that in the micro business and the work for yourself episode. How uh, there are always tons of things, businesses that I would love to start and do. And, you know, I mean, <laughs> That's the beauty of working for yourself is mm-hmm. it's easy to kind of work your way into something else. Um, well, and that's the beauty of paying down debt too. Um, yeah, cause that's, the- that's where we're at now. If, you know, in order to buy our dream piece of property, we did have to go back into debt. And so now it's a matter of trying to work as hard as we can in many jobs as we can again, in order to get back into that situation so that we can, uh, scale back and scale back on right on the amount of jobs and the amount of work and the amount of hours that need to go into those jobs um plus just trying to then find something that you want to do and you like to do rather than you have to do because you right. have to pay the bills right yeah. and i do social media for a couple different companies and some social media consulting for some of our business clients and um i enjoy that it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Changes all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that's one thing I've definitely noticed with the work that you do is that you like jobs that change all the time. Mm-hmm. That always have something different going on. Where, you know, I don't know what kind of work I like. <laughs> I still haven't <laughs> figured that out yet. <laughs> um. But you're definitely more happy when you have different things to do. Mm-hmm. When you can do something for a few hours and then something else. And mm-hmm. and that's like with your office work and even with your social media uh, work that you do. It is always different. It's always changing. But that kind of fits into your personality because mm-hmm. you can't do anything for more than a few hours or you get 
kind of bored with it and want to move on to yeah. something else. You'll come back around to it, but uh, it just definitely fits in with, with your style. So, so what have you learned from all the, the jobs that you've had? What are, the, what are your takeaways? I don't know. I think with both of us, we just... One thing that my grandpa and I always... I think not having fear yeah. is a big one. I think too many people are afraid to fail. And that's a big thing that keeps people from doing things that they want to do and maybe the possibility of being able to work for yourself. I think fear of failure and not managing their money well um, because you definitely have to, when you work, when you're self-employed, you have to manage your money differently than you do when you're not um, and be willing to sacrifice a little sometimes um, in order to get things started. But mm-hmm. I think those are the two things. I mean, I love money management stuff that's really fascinating to me um and i also really enjoy trying new things and it doesn't i mean yeah failure stinks regardless but in a way you have to look at it more of as a learning tool and not be afraid i mean you can't let it keep you from doing things that you want to do because you're afraid that maybe your business is going to fail or it's not going to work out and you just kind of work into something new or i don't know I, think, I enjoy working. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. I really enjoy doing... I've always enjoyed doing whatever I am doing, whether it's picking strawberries or, you know, selling bras. <laughs> it's, I've always enjoyed it. I think a lot of times mindset has something to do with it mm-hmm. as well. I mean, it makes a big difference in how your life goes and um, how you take what you're doing because it can be really mundane things. I've cooked... I've cooked food for weeks of camp for 120 kids. And, you know, you're in the kitchen cooking for 14 hours a day. And it's fun. I had a great time doing it. Um, It could be mundane, yeah. But I think a lot of times your attitude and the way you look at things makes a huge difference. And what not only how you're enjoying what you're doing, but... In the outcomes of the things that you do. Because mm. it comes through when you do things. When you enjoy what you're doing, you're going to do a better job at them. And it shows. And nowadays, it's easy to set yourself apart from other people. Because a lot of people don't do, don't enjoy what they do. They spend their whole time complaining. They don't do a good job. So, I don't know. And that's one thing I, I was going to say. I think my... I learned from my grandpa is that about working hard um, and then being proud of mm-hmm. the fact that you did work hard. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he always worked in steel mills and different things like that. And then he would come home and he would do stuff around the house to make extra money, build things and sell things and repair, you know, lawnmowers and those types of things. But he always always worked hard but always enjoyed the fact that he did work hard mm-hmm. and and he definitely instilled that in me that you know work hard so that you can be proud of your hard work mm-hmm. um and so yeah i think that's something that i've taken with me through through all the jobs that i've done uh you know when i used to deliver papers sometimes i would run mm-hmm. i would see how fast i could deliver the papers <laughs> mm-hmm. um 
but it all kind of goes back to that original lesson. But so yeah, those are those are our jobs. Look at that. Who would have thought? Yeah, that's everything that we've done back in the day. And he, now here we Completely are. Completely not what I, what, I mean, what plans were as far as what thought my career would be at this point in time, you know? I mean, it's not what I set out to do when I went to college. But you but, never know. I mean, that's... Exactly. That's kind of the fun part of life, though. Because yeah. what, I mean, you were originally going to become a police officer. Yeah. And then you went to school for ministry. Yep. And then I met you. And I went to school for uh, psychology, but then I decided not to get further education because I wanted to be like a counselor. (laughs) I really wanted to be a counselor. Uh, But yeah, interesting. And now here we find ourselves in Maine. Counseling people. (laughs) (laughs) So you got to do what you wanted to do after all. Uh, and I, I have a couple guns, so I guess it's kind of like a police officer. <laughs> <laughs> I keep the law here in the chicken with uh, the chickens and the ducks. So, well, uh, kind of a, a rambling podcast this week, but we we thought it would be fine a fine kind of fun to uh, talk about all the different things that we've done. And actually, as we were making our list, there were a few that. I had forgotten that I had even done. Oh, yeah. uh, so that was kind of neat to go, oh, yeah. yeah oh, forget yeah. about that. Um, there's, yeah. there's one book of the week. I don't know if you have any others that you can think of, but there's one that I've listened to that I, I really enjoyed. I don't know that everything in this book is completely applicable to, uh, to every situation because some of the things I listened to, I was just like, oh, okay. But the, the book is called <laughs> Four Hour Work Week. Four hour work week. Um, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. And like I said, there's some of the things that he talks about are, um, yeah, they're kind of far out there. Not everybody could pull it off with their jobs. Um, but I think the concepts are very <laughs> sound. And I think you can apply the concepts that he uh, brings across to just about any job or not even to your work job, but just to, you know, different things that you do every mm-hmm. day. Um, another one that we could put in here, and I think we've recommended this book before, but uh, there's a book called uh, Shop Class of Soulcraft. Oh, yeah, that's um, a great book. Which is a, a good book um, to listen to and, and talks about that sort of work ethic um and and skills and different things like that. So we'll put links to both of those in the show notes. And uh we'd love for you guys to come over and share maybe some odd jobs that you've had or um something that you've yeah, learned like through the one of your jobs. Job you've had, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's had a random right? I think picking strawberries is kind of a crazy interesting, not something everybody does. Maybe not. I think that's one of those like trivia. That's good trivia right there. <laughs> <laughs> so come on over and share uh, your strange job. It's like that Dirty Jobs with Mike Rogue. Uh, I always like that show. Row? Row. Yeah, Mike Rowe. That's right. Um, and also, while you're uh, over on the site sharing your weird job, um, there's ways to support us on there, which you guys know about. So that's all I'm going to say about it this week. But also you can go to uh, iTunes and share a uh, 
a rating there and a, a review of the podcast. And also go to Facebook. If you guys are on Facebook, then go to Facebook and uh, like us, the Chiots Run page, because we do give updates throughout the week, um, stuff that doesn't necessarily make it to the blog, uh, and just different things yeah, that Su- Susie shares. stuff on my personal page sometimes if you want to friend me there. Yeah. A little more uh, like the inner circle there, you know. <laughs> I post stuff there that I don't always post on the blog. Sometimes it's like a heads up. It's like the. What's coming up? You uh, figure, you learn five days before anybody else does what's yeah. going on. It's like a secret sale. Yep. And next week, uh, we're going to, we, we have an, an idea for a show, but it's still sort of percolating. So we won't necessarily share it this week, but it should be a good show next week just to give a little teaser. But uh, until then. Get to work. I'd rather be a farmer. I'd rather work the land. I'd rather see the mountain sides. I'd rather see your hand. I'd rather swim the ocean. I'd rather not pretend I'd rather do some thinking now Somehow it all depends If I could fly See my hometown. I'd rather hold my wife. I'd rather never question things. That's the story of my life. I'd rather not be crying. I'd rather just be whole. I'd rather brave the cleansing fire I'd rather feed my soul If I could fly away from me Open to suggestions 
crying out to you I'm ready to be finished here I'm ready for this season to If I could fly away from me To ride this wind above the trees And go to fly